was a conductive wire And you were so electric I had no say when you came so near And just passed right through me Hey everyone, welcome to Geekdom is Back, as is Tim Matthews. We're not talking about Mission Impossible this time. Instead, we are talking all about DC's latest entry, Shazam. All right. How are you doing today, Tim? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. I was sad that Tom Cruise wasn't in this movie, though. <laughs> you know, maybe he could have been the bad guy. Yeah, yeah. Or Tom Hanks. They could have made it happen. <laughs> I would have taken Tom Hanks, too. Yeah, so we both saw this in theaters, what was your viewing experience like for this? Mine was great. Actually, both times. I went <laughs> I went okay. twice. Uh, the first time, there was definitely a decent amount of people in the theater, but, uh, but less because I caught a 3.30 showing on the Friday. So I think most people were still probably getting out of work and everything. Um, but the Tuesday one, uh, the theater was packed. And I th- actually think I saw online that um, that the movie got a decent boost in its box office on Tuesday. So, uh, so that's pretty awesome. And everyone was, they were cracking up, they were clapping. Like it was, it was a really great, uh, audience experience. Uh, I don't, I don't get those as often. I don't get bad ones really either, but usually I go at times when a lot of people aren't there. As do I, I went and saw this at, I want to say 9am in an IMAX theater. So I'm sure it was packed. (laughs) It actually wasn't because I went on Friday. So most people are at work at nine in the morning. Oh, wow. Yeah. I would say it was like maybe a third full, which was also the case when I went to go see Aquaman because I go at odd times, you know, (laughs) it's one of those (laughs) things where the flexibility with my part-time jobs right now lets me kind of just go see movies like you said but no one else is seeing them pretty much exactly i kind of like that because i don't really like being in a super crowded room when i'm watching a movie and obviously that will happen for will have happened for avengers endgame already you know i I don't know if anyone's gonna go see that (laughs) (laughs) yeah and it's one of those things where i just like being able to sit there and enjoy the movie and not really have to worry about if someone's going to start talking or if a bunch of people are going to get up during the movie and things like that so i like those kinds of experiences and this one met my expectations for that so that was good i think someone maybe brought their child and walked their child out when they started getting fussy and then brought them back (laughs) in when they were done so you know that that might be the only thing that happened because, you know, this is a movie where you can expect to see a lot of kids at it just because of the nature of the character Shazam. And I Definitely. think that's something that is a plus for DC because some of the darker films, I'm sure plenty of people took their kids to go see Batman versus Superman or, you know, Justice League. <laughs> there was a baby at the screening of Us that I went to. So well, that's that is a decision. <laughs> that, that is what that is. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, there were kids at Pet Cemetery when I went. So, you know, it just depends on the parent. But I would yeah. expect Shazam to be a more family-friendly Definitely. DC movie in general. Though a bit edgy at, at, at times that I was, I was like, uh, a couple of the jokes. I was like, hmm. Oh, I, yeah. <laughs> I, I appreciated it because it's like the, the movie felt like... Um, felt like an Amblin movie. So it felt like the type of, you know, kids movies I grew up on where, you know, the kids were, you know, kind of swearing left and right. And it wasn't, uh, it wasn't quite yet, you know, dumbed down to, uh, um, to, uh, super, super kid friendly. So I like having that, 
that balance of, you know, kind of perfect for teenagers and parents, but, you know, also perfect if like a five-year-old goes, a lot of that stuff will just go over their head. But yeah. Um, but yeah. Let's dive into the casting because honestly, for the most part, I wasn't super familiar with a ton of the people in this movie just because of Same. them casting a bunch of kids, teenagers, and what have you. And I don't really keep up with too many teen actors <laughs> these days. Yeah. But Zachary Levi and Mark Strong are the two big names. Definitely. And because they're on opposite sides of the spectrum here, it's like, okay, you know, Mark Strong gets typecast as the villain, I feel like, pretty frequently. Yeah. <laughs> and Zachary Levi, especially in the Shazam suit, just looks like a very, very large child. <laughs> so yeah, it, it kind of right. worked out. And then you have Asher Angel as Billy Batson, Jack Dylan Grazer as Freddie Freeman, and those two are the other characters we see the most. Yeah. Freddie, I knew. Obviously, at the end, we see more familiar faces, or at least a couple more familiar faces, <laughs> just because of what happens, which we will dive into. So spoilers uh, for anyone I, who hasn't yes. seen it. <laughs> we'll hold my excitement for that part of the discussion. <laughs> yeah. But other than that, were you really familiar with the other people in this movie? No. Yeah. Like I, I, def I definitely wasn't. Uh, oh, so I knew Freddie because from it. So he was fantastic in that. Is that what he was in? I was like, this yes. kid looks so familiar. <laughs> he's the he's the kid in it. Um, and I'm blanking on his character's name, but the one who he's taking all the pills and it turns out that they're all uh, placebos. He was Eddie. OK. Yeah. And so it's kind of it's kind of funny because he he had a bit more of um a bit more of the kid from Stranger Things role uh, in this. Uh, he had a bit more like firecrackery uh, um, dialogue, but he he was terrific. And then Mark Strong's character, uh, Doctor Savannah. Yes, Doctor Savannah. His his dad in the movie I know as Lionel Luther from Smallville, but beyond that, I don't know anybody. <laughs> Yeah, I totally did not recognize Freddy as the kid from it. Yeah. And I think it's because he's he seems taller, at least. You know, he these definitely kids seems grow taller. pretty fast. And yeah. you mentioned Stranger Things, and that's something that happened in that show, too, just within, oh, yeah. you know, the few years that it since it aired. And yeah, yeah I would have never caught that. So good catch. So <laughs> I was more familiar with people than I thought, apparently. <laughs> but overall, you know, I think most of the performances from the teens and the kids were fine. You know, I don't think I was expecting any sort of Oscar performance <laughs> from these kids for the most part. Oh, yeah. Yeah, they 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 did a good job and they they serviced their roles. I definitely walked out of it being like they were good, but it wasn't um, it wasn't like how, like when I walked out of it and was like, oh my God, every single one of those kids, you know, blew it out of the water. Um, you know, they, um, or even stranger things. Like I remember watching that and being like, we're at a whole other level of like child actors here. Um, this one, it was, they, they, they were good, but they also, um, I feel like they're the other, you know, kids in the family, in the foster family, they don't really have that much to do. But they did a good job, you know, in the parts that they had. Um, Freddie was definitely the um, the standout. I, I felt like he was he was battling for like stealing the scene every time he was on screen. Yeah, absolutely. Overall, I would say fairly solid cast, given how many unknowns there were in it. But yeah, 
I don't really think that a lot of the characters they did show were super crucial either at the same time. It's like, yes, the foster family plays a role, but it, really it's Billy and Freddie who are getting into the thick of things. Definitely. So to me, you know, the foster parents, not as important to the story, but they had to put them in there because otherwise where would Billy go? Yeah, and I think funny. with what a lot of those characters were given, they they just didn't have too much to work with. You know, you had the older foster daughter, Mary, who was getting ready to go off to college. And mm -hmm. you see the struggle a little bit with her, but you don't have time to really get into it. It's like, oh, okay, they sort of just mention this so you know it's happening. And I would say a lot of my issues with this movie probably stem more from the writing, I think. And that's something that if you don't nail that for every single character, some of the characters suddenly become less important or less memorable and things like that. And I don't know, I feel like I really wanted to like this more than I did, but there were just a lot of moments where it fell a little flat for me. And I think we can sort of just roll this right into talking about the story because at the heart of it, I was familiar with Shazam's story. I knew it was this kid who said the word Shazam and he turned into a superhero. You know, I've watched plenty of the animated shows to know who the character is, especially, you know, the animated Justice League show. I think pretty much every hero appears in that at some point. Yeah. Yeah. I, I pretty much the, like some of the animated stuff and in uh, the comic book Kingdom Come and then, you know, maybe like in if he showed up in like a justice league thing I was reading or something. Um, other than that, like I don't know that much about Shazam. He's never really actually been a favorite character of mine. So going into this movie, like from the trailers, I was like, all right, this looks like a lot of fun. Um, but going into it, I wasn't necessarily expecting, you know, Oh man, I'm going to be so pumped. Like walking out of this movie because I just, I was going into it with an open, but you know, somewhat closed mind of just being like, yeah, it's Shazam. Uh, and it's just going to be big with superheroes, which, you know, is good for me. But uh, I ended up having a ton of fun with this movie. I definitely um, agree with with that, you know, criticisms of of the writing. My buddy and I were talking about that. It's it kind of did uh, a bit what Aquaman did, where it was they kind of threw everything they could in there. Yeah. You know, not necessarily knowing, are we going to get another one of these? So let's kind of throw everything in there. And both of them had the job of of building this this outside world to just the normal, regular, you know, Earth. So Aquaman obviously, you know, has Atlantis and there's a ton of mythology that you got to th uh, throw into that. And it's like, so you got your origin, you got your, uh, you got your Atlantis, then you got your black Manta and all this stuff that and it's like, we got to cover everything. Um, and then this you're introducing magic and all the legend of the wizards and everything. And it, these are all factors that haven't been in DC movies yet. So I felt like, I felt like it did a very good job for an origin story. It, you know, covers a lot of the typical beats I definitely think the family, like, they service their roles, but if we get a sequel, I would like to get to know those characters a bit more. And I think we would, you know, given what, uh, what transpires, uh, later in the movie, but that was definitely like, 
that was wasn't the strongest part um dr savannah's origin the you know the second time i saw it i was kind of like all right let's let's get through this this opening scene um and just get to the stuff with billy because especially once billy you know gets the powers and everything you know it's the the movie just becomes a ton of fun between billy and freddy yeah and that's when it really picks up I actually want to talk about that opening scene because as I was watching it, I was like, are they going to get to the point anytime soon? And yeah, to me, it felt like, yes, the dad and the brother of Dr. Savannah when he was a child, they sucked. There's no doubt about that. But he was also extremely annoying at the same time <laughs> because, you know, he goes off to this place and then he starts just freaking out in the car not really understanding that his dad and his brother didn't go anywhere. So he just starts freaking out and distracts them and causes this major accident, essentially, because he just won't calm down. He thinks, you know, everyone is against him. And while I understand why he would think that was the case, I was just like, okay, really? You were told as a kid that you weren't worthy of this thing because you wanted to go to the dark side, basically. <laughs> yeah. And you are going to spend your whole life obsessing over it. Yeah. I know it's a superhero movie and all, but I was like, yeah, this kid was like, what, eight or nine or 10 or something like that, <laughs> you know? Yeah. I mean, I guess like we're left to like, especially when it gets to the scene, like in the boardroom and everything, I I, I would assume we're we're left to just fill in the blanks that, Especially after that accident, he probably had an absolutely atrocious uh, home life, you know, with his father and his brother, you know, probably co consistently accusing him of why his father can't walk anymore. So, like, I, it's like, yeah, I can fill in the blanks and everything in there um, and, you know, assume that this probably led him down a path. Um and, you know, there's definitely some obsession issues going on. Um, but at the same time, it's like if we had gotten a bit more, you know, maybe it, it would have been able to to latch into the villain um, a little stronger. But at the same time, I feel like if we did get a little bit more, I'd probably be on this podcast, you know, saying the opposite and being <laughs> being like, oh, man, like, why didn't we just get to like the Billy stuff? I think it's the tough thing with a lot of these superhero movies is that the villain tends to be the weakest um which is disappointing i think it was weird to start off with the villain's origin story too in yeah. a sense because you're going into this expecting billy and shazam and when it takes so long to get there you're like oh okay how much do we have to see before they get into this because it felt like they spent a lot more time building up dr savannah at the beginning than it did building up billy's character it's like, you know, okay, Billy ran away from home again, his foster home, and then he gets yeah. placed with this new family and he beats up a kid for beating on his disabled foster brother. And yeah, then th that's his origin suck. story. <laughs> <laughs> but with Dr. Savannah, it's like something much deeper that it seems like they go into. And I don't know if that's just because it's something darker as well. And, you know, yeah. Billy isn't a great kid. You know, he locks the cops in the shop yeah. and steals the guy's lunch and everything. And yet he's somehow know, the he one who is Gino's. worthy. <laughs> no. 
you know, as someone who was in Philly for a few years, I, yeah. <laughs> I would be understandably upset about that too. <laughs> yeah. I was stoked that the movie was in Philly. I didn't, I didn't know that. Um, I guess apparently, uh, in the new 52, uh, take on, on Shazam, he is in Philadelphia. Um, but me living in the Philly area that I was, I was super pumped about that. Cause I was like, oh man, I was like, we never, I was like, the city never gets, uh, gets love in these superhero movies. Just in the Rocky ones. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah. He's kind of a superhero. It's, and some others. There yeah. are some others. <laughs> yeah. Um, but it's, I mean, it's like, I, I liked the stuff with Dr. Savannah. Like I, I, I thought that like research, you know, project, um, I thought that was kind of like, I thought that was kind of cool. It's like just like obsessively trying to figure out what happened. And through that storyline, you're seeing how, uh, you know, all these different parts in the like when he went out into the room and um, into the main room and you see on all the TVs, like a ton of people that are just explaining their uh, their experience. And it had it was it felt like a play on, you know, people like, you know, alien abduction, you know, stories and everything. Yeah. yeah. Like it, so it's like, and then when, especially when they went into his office and like the door opens and the, uh, the, the one scientist, uh, woman, you know, uh, Thanos, uh, snaps his fingers and, uh, and she, and she, and she disappears. Yeah. Um, but that, uh, but that, and it's like, so like that stuff was like cool and it definitely, I feel like that showed that the wizard's spell was constantly trying to find these people that are worthy. And then of course, when, when Dr. Savannah gets in there, you know, Billy, he's a good enough kid and he's standing up for, you know, his foster brother in that, in that moment. Uh, but the, he is kind of the wizard's last hope. Like it's, they haven't found anybody. Dr. Savannah broke out the seven deadly sins. And so it's like, it's now or never. Hopefully this kid doesn't suck, you know? <laughs> right. And, um, and he does at yeah, first, you yeah. know, it's a learning process for him because he is, you know, 14, 15, 16, whatever it is. I'm really bad with age in <laughs> these movies. Yeah. I think there's a line where he says I'm basically 15. <laughs> okay. So he's essentially what, like a freshman, sophomore in high school, something like that. Not yeah. that he really goes to school and that's super important, yeah. but it was one of those things for me where the more I thought about Dr. Savannah's character, the more I found a lot of holes in the writing because he's supposedly been obsessing about this mm -hmm. for years, yet he has a ton of money. But it's hard to believe that he would be taking money from his father, who he despises so much. Yeah. Because when we have that boardroom scene, he doesn't want any of the company at all. Yeah. He thinks, you know, his dad is someone who is super greedy, but... At the same time, he looks like he's a guy who has a ton of money. And it's like, so you're not greedy? You want all this power and you're not exactly yeah. like your father in the end? And really, he is. And oh, yeah. I don't think he ever really fully realizes that. But it's one of those things where his obsession just turned him so far that he couldn't come back from it. Yeah, I think, yeah, I think he just... He always wanted. He always wanted what everybody else had. It didn't matter whether uh, whether it was you know his jerk of a father. It's like he wanted everything his father had. He wanted power, it but not from his it, father. But not from his father, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like okay. <laughs> I get the impression that he worked with the company in some fashion because, like, when he does go through the door, his his dad says, "This is for uh, board. This is for board members only." 
And so maybe he works for the company, but I don't really know why his dad would want him to work for the company if if he clearly hates him so much. But I, I, he's definitely, it's, I think, I think when he just gets to like go all out and be like a comic book villain, like he's, uh, he's a super fun villain to watch because it, it, it does just feel like, you know, a superhero and supervillain going up against each other. Um, and so it's like, when I don't think about, you know, the real in-depth stuff about his character, it's like, you know what? He's just a cool villain, you know, and the, the stuff they do with the powers, uh, you know, is kind of interesting at the, the seven deadly sins, like the CGI I thought looked great on, on those. Um, and I couldn't tell if maybe sometimes they were using some practical stuff, but, but, uh, yeah, it was like, he was just, you know, he was a, he's a big super villain, which kind of, they, they, I feel like they kind of make fun of too. Cause it's like, uh, um, you know, when he first shows up and just him's like, ah, you're like a bad guy. And then like Freddie, like freaking out. And he's like, super villain, super villain. Like I'm, so I feel like it it kind of works that he's just kind of a prototype, you know, villain. But it is, you know, it is yet another superhero movie where when you do think about the villain and their motivations and everything, you're just kind of like, all right. You know, whether it's whether it's DC or Marvel, a lot of them seem to have the same problem. Yeah. For me, it's like when this movie was really fun, it was great. And then it had some really low moments. So it was like... At the end of it, it fell somewhere in the middle for me. And I think, you know, because of how they have to do origin stories, I think it's hard at this point, especially as someone who knows quite a few of the origin stories for a lot of these characters. Like, I had read the Captain Marvel comics before going to see Captain Marvel. Well before going to see Captain Marvel, actually, before I even knew there was going to be a Captain Marvel movie, really. And okay, yeah. like I said, you know, having watched the Justice League shows, you know that Shazam is a kid who says Shazam and turns into this giant, you know, Superman-like superhero. Yeah. So I think, you know, anyone who reads the comics will probably get tired of origin stories faster than everyone else. And I'm not saying that I'm necessarily tired of them i just wish some of them were a little more interesting and like i said you know this ended up being a perfectly fine movie for me by the end of it and that's okay you know i think it's still a step in the right direction for dc which we'll talk about more later but i do want to talk about the wizard and the fact that it takes billy the entire movie to remember that there were all of those empty thrones in the room (laughs) because it was something where you didn't really know if that was going to come to fruition when the wizard said it. And the fact that they did go that direction by the end of the movie, I think was a little surprising for me, but because Billy was in so far over his head, it made sense to do that. And I think that was one of the good moments for this movie too, when you have the entire family turn into their own Shazams. I don't really know what they're called. The Shazamily or something. <laughs> I don't know. I, what I call think it. I think they're called the Marvel family. Um I that, at least that well, was maybe what not I saw anymore. A, yeah, maybe not anymore. <laughs> That's at least what I saw in an article. Um yeah, like the so when he first gets the powers and everything, um, you know, it's 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 funny because uh the second time I was watching it, the wizard is naming off all the different powers basically that he gets. But while the wizard's doing that and like the spells going on, 
Billy's freaking out because he's just like, what, what just happened to me? What did you do? And then here, here's this, this wizard that he just met who like tells him, you know, that he needs to go and save, save the day and everything and be the champion. And then he crumbles before his eyes and, you know, the nice and uh, funny joke where he just kind of like looks at the staff that he was holding onto like, and freaks out and just drops it and then, you know, tries to leave. Um, and so it, it definitely makes sense that he, didn't fully register like everything, everything that the wizard said, but it heard it. Um, and, but I completely agree with you. Like when I did not, so I didn't expect anything to come from the thrones. I think maybe while I was watching it, I was just kind of like, Oh, you know what happened to the other wizards? Like, why are there not any other wizards? And, you know, are there going to be other wizards? I, I maybe like thought, you know, here or there, um, but I certainly didn't expect, you know, uh, what they were going to go for. And my buddy that I went with, he knows more about the Shazam stuff than I did. And for him, when he saw that moment, you know, he, he told me after that he was so excited that they went in that direction because he he figured, oh, this is probably something that's just kind of too corny or too comic booky, and they're not going to go for it, um, let alone in the first movie, um, which plays into the 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 thing i mentioned of they just kind of like threw everything into this movie so it is kind of like where's the next one gonna go um but the i loved when uh when that whole family showed up it also may have had something to do with the fact that one of them is adam brody and i was super super excited that freddie becomes adam brody um (laughs) and and then it's it was funny while I'm watching the movie, my buddy tur- turns to me like I, all I said to him was um, there's a, a super awesome surprise in the third act that you're going to love. And he turns to me at one point and he's like, man, Freddie's kind of like a, a young Seth Cohen. And I'm just sitting there and I'm just like, don't say anything. <laughs> <laughs> and then when it happened, he was like, oh, no way. <laughs> it, it it was it was so exciting and it was fun to see him get to finally be in a DC movie because he was supposed to be the Flash in Justice League Mortal by uh directed by George Miller that never happened that I'll still always wish happened. <laughs> um but um but so that was awesome and then it's the that whole fight scene was I thought it was really cool because it was I felt like it was done in just a a fun way that it didn't it didn't have that, oh, here we go with, like, the big CGI fight that we see at the end of every DC movie or Marvel movie, for for that matter. But definitely, like, you know, I love Wonder Woman, but the the third act, when it gets in that huge bombastic battle, uh, it's the weaker part of the movie. And so I was a little nervous. Oh, man, here we go. They're going to go up against the seven deadly sins. But they play with the humor so well that it, that it kept me entertained the whole time. Uh, and I thought that that fight scene was definitely one of the highlights of the movie. Yeah. I'm glad that you mentioned Adam Brody because this is the moment I was talking about where more familiar faces pop up, at least for me, because then Darla becomes superhero Darla played by Megan Good. Michelle Borth, who I have seen in, I I think Michelle Borth is in Hawaii Five-O. Megan Good has been in a few things I've seen but i think she's going to be in some upcoming movie called the intruder yeah i'm pulling up her imdb i'm glad you knew her name because she was one that it was like i recognize her and i and i swear i've seen her and stuff yeah she was in 
Minority Report when that started as a TV show. And she is going to be in The Intruder with Michael Ely and Dennis Quaid coming this year. I don't know the exact release date on that. I think it might be out pretty close to when this episode comes out. But she's sort of someone who has just popped up in a bunch of yeah. stuff that I've happened to see. <laughs> I know her from... Uh... Um, she was in Brick, the Ryan Johnson, uh, his debut movie with Joseph Gordon-Levitt. I know her from that, okay. and uh, and I I probably recognized her a lot from she was in seven episodes of Californication. So yes, and then superhero Eugene was in Riverdale and played Reggie the first season before he was recast. Okay. So Ross Butler was the original Reggie in Riverdale, and I totally forgot about that recasting because yeah, I didn't realize they recast so fast. Yeah, things <laughs> ramped up so fast in Riverdale, as I'm sure you know. So oh yes, it's I'm, like I'm, oh, okay. I'm caught up <laughs> because I was watching the scene and I was like, so many of these faces look familiar, and really. You know, Adam Brody, I was familiar with just from not even really anything I had seen him in because I did not watch him as Seth Cohen. I know, tragedy. <laughs> but, you know, Michelle Borth was in Hawaii Five-0 when I was still watching that, but I gave that up. And I was just like, these people all look familiar except for superhero Pedro. I was like, I don't know who this guy is. <laughs> I'm sorry. I don't know him uh, supposedly then. I could have this wrong. It was in the article I was reading, but it sounded like he was also supposed to be in Justice League Mortal. Um, okay. And so it was another like, hey, we're sorry that didn't happen here. <laughs> Let's put him in. Um, but I don't remember who he was supposed to be or um, and I I certainly couldn't think of anything that I've seen him in. And I, probably at that point, I was just, you know, fawning over uh, Adam Brody. So, <laughs> yeah, it looks like based on what I can see on IMDb that he's been in the least amount of things. He has been in some TV shows, none of which I have happened to watch. So that would be why I didn't recognize him. <laughs> but it's one of those things where, like I said, you don't need to recognize everyone in a movie to sort of get that big movie vibe going. And if I'm not mistaken, Shazam was a pretty mid-level budget for a superhero movie you know it's not going to be avengers kind of money by any means yeah i don't know i don't know exactly what the budget was i'm sure it was cheaper than it says 80 to 100 million and i believe oh, the wow. avengers movies are getting up into like the 200s yeah that's wow that's surprising and i and i i know aquaman was more because of all the cgi right it's like it's a lot of money but it's also cheap by hollywood yeah. standards but yeah especially by superhero standards of what we're used to but i mean hopefully because of the fact that it has the you know the smaller budget you know hopefully it it makes uh makes much more of a a, a nice profit um towards pushing it forward because at least like some of the stuff I've been reading about different ways that they could go with the sequels, it sounds like they can just really get weird with uh, with these movies. And I think that's what I what excites me a bit the most about the DC stuff right now is just getting weird with it. That's impressive with the budget. I mean, and there was definitely like, you know, like in all of these movies, you know, there were there were shots where I was like, oh, that's questionable cgi but overall <laughs> i was uh pretty impressed i definitely feel like a lot of the cgi went into the seven deadly sins yeah definitely and i think just because of how much we see of them at the end too and that big fight scene at the fair 
a lot of the CGI happened there. And you can definitely tell that that's where they sort of really wanted to focus their energy because a lot of the stuff that Zachary Levi was doing when he was testing his powers with Freddy and everything, that could have been more practical effects by far, you know, just using cables and lifting him up in the air and dropping him down when he falls trying to fly. Definitely, And I think, you know, like you said, sometimes you can tell, but in this one, I wasn't actively aware of anything looking too horrible, which by this point, you wouldn't expect anything to look that bad. You know, it's not the 80s anymore, even the 90s, you know, CGI has vastly improved, especially with the budgets that people are putting into these superhero movies now. But is there anything else about the story specifically that you want to touch on before we dive into how this fits in with what DC is doing with its movies now? I, I think, you know, for the for the story, I think the stuff that I really enjoyed was just the was just the charm uh, that the that the movie had. I really enjoyed it's just kind of really just pushing for the basically the straight comedy um, with like the the heart and family, you know, stuff mixed in there, you know, it, it, it could come off corny, but I feel like any corniness was in like a good way because it's the corniness that is built around that family, like the stuff at the dinner table, like all those things, like it totally makes sense. And so, you know, it's when it's the, you know, everyone, you know, grab the staff and, you know, everyone say my name and they all say Billy. And (laughs) he's like, no, no, no. Um, and then, you know, it's, it all comes together in that way. And, um, you know, it's, I just, I really, I really appreciated the, uh, the tone for it. So for whatever faults or things that weren't as strong, um, I feel like the good stuff really, really stood high, uh, in this movie to make me enjoy a Shazam movie way more than I ever expected, um, that I would, and definitely to be excited for, you know, the, uh, the stuff going forward. Oh, and just a minute, I just want to mention, I, I kind of enjoyed the, the fight with him and, uh, Dr. Savannah when they were, um, flying around, I got some real like Man of Steel vibes with, <laughs> with how it was filmed. And I don't know if it was intentional or if it was just kind of like, you know, a nod or if that's just the best way to film, you know, people flying through a city. Um, but it, it, it felt a bit like the Superman versus Zod, except, you know, funnier, you know, especially when they're a mile away from each other and Dr. Savano's giving the, you know, super basic villain speech and then they cut to Shazam and he can't hear him. You know, it's it was yeah. little little things like that playing with your expectations of what you think is going to happen. And then they go against it and, you know, and it makes you laugh. So I thought the movie did really well with that stuff. And then, of course, the the ending I uh I thought was uh really clever. I don't know if you wanted to get to that yet. The Superman cameo? Yeah. Somewhat cameo? <laughs> the Superman suit cameo. <laughs> I had heard about that scene and I didn't know if it was going to be in it because I obviously it's the internet. I didn't know if it was true. But I heard obviously that Henry Cavill wasn't going to be in it. They couldn't schedule it or whatever. Maybe he's still Superman, maybe he's not. Uh whatever's going on with that, I don't know, but I thought it really worked in the ending of just having just Freddy's reaction where he just turns and he's like, "Ah!" and then it just cuts like as much as I kind of wanted Henry Cavill to sit down. I almost feel like that was another subverting your expectations that I was just like, that was kind of perfect the way they did it, even though it's somewhat of a bummer. 
Yeah, I think it's DC saying, hey, we still know Superman exists. You know, we haven't forgotten about this character, but we aren't going to show you his face because we don't know what we're doing just yet. Right. And yeah. that's totally fine by me. You know, yeah. I don't know if the cameo was necessary, but it was fun because of how much it means to Freddie. Definitely. This kind of basically plays into the what this movie means, like with the universe and everything. It was really cool to see how unabashedly like just like unafraid they were to reference the DC universe, you know, you know, Shazam mentioning Cape Crusader and uh, Freddie just being like, that's Batman. Um, <laughs> all of, all of Freddie's t-shirts, like the fact that there's merchandise for, <laughs> for all the justice league. Yeah. This was a huge ad for DC. Basically it was yeah. a very meta DC yeah. advertising ploy to get kids into a lot of these things because I was at the Batman 80th anniversary panel at WonderCon, and oh, one of jealous. the ladies there said something to the effect of, I feel like everyone is born knowing Batman, like knowing who Batman is. And yeah. I kind of agree because it's like, are there people who don't know who Batman? I'm sure there are people out there who don't know who Batman is just because they don't have the access to, you know, TV, internet, what have you. But for the most part, in the United States, that is something that a lot of people have access to. And I can't remember when I first knew about Batman. I just knew about Batman. <laughs> and, exactly. Know. It's like you said, it's just, or as they, they said at the panel, like it's, it's oddly ingrained in you before you even realize that you know what Batman is. Um, you know, it's kind of like, like the Jaws theme. Like if you're playing in a pool and you're a kid, you already have this like, feeling of i should fear jaws with your parents just going like -na, -na, without <laughs> ever knowing anything about jaws like it's just it's these certain things in pop culture that it's like just subtly get in there when you're younger and then when you really truly learn about it you kind of feel like you always knew about it and so it it, it is like you said hard to think well when did i learn about batman i don't know because as far as i know I always did. Yeah. And I think at some point it's going to be like that with a lot of other superheroes. Obviously, Definitely. Superman and Spider-Man are probably two of the bigger ones at the moment. But even Iron Man, Captain America, because of these movies, people are sort of always going to know who these characters are going forward. Definitely. And with Shazam, while I don't think Shazam is quite there yet, no. bringing him into this universe being like, hey, this guy is friends with Superman at the very end of the movie and having Freddie be just like the audience, essentially, yeah. you know, yeah. I'm stoked on Batman. I'm stoked on Superman. I'm wearing an Aquaman shirt. <laughs> Freddie yeah. is the rest of us. <laughs> basically. Yeah. He is fandom. Like, <laughs> yeah. And he knows everything that there is to know about superheroes, which even though in this movie, it's still dorky and he gets beat up for it. Basically that's increasingly not the case, you know, it's yeah. cool to like superheroes now, you know, you yeah. aren't going to get a bunch of crap about it from a bunch of people because it's just the norm. A lot of different stories are being told through the superhero lens. You have yeah. heist movies happening in superhero movies. You have, you know, these big action adventure movies, these big space operas with yeah. guardians of the galaxy, you know, it's so diverse. Well, at least in story, not necessarily in characters, but th yeah. that's a different thing for a different day. And I think Shazam <laughs> doesn't need to be in the continuity, basically. And I think DC is really starting to move away from that, especially with things like 
the upcoming Joker movie with Joaquin Phoenix. And, you know, while it would be nice to see more characters than just Wonder Woman get their shot at the DC movies, they are working on things like Birds of Prey, whatever they are going to do with Harley Quinn going forward, because there's a lot of things you can do with Harley Quinn. I know DC Universe has a Harley Quinn animated show coming to the service. I believe towards the end of this year, maybe next year. I'm not 100% sure on that. Don't quote me on it. Yeah, I want to say that's later this year. You've got Swamp Thing coming up. You've already got Doom Patrol going on. Yeah, there's a lot of wacky things going on in DC Universe, and I love it. So, (laughs) you know, it's one of those things where Shazam doesn't need to be tied to all of the other DC movies, you know, only very few companies would be able to pull off what Marvel pulled off and, yeah. you know, get you attached to these movies for 10 plus years now and give you exactly. this big ending in Avengers Endgame, which is our previous episode. So if you've seen that, go listen to that episode. And there's just so much superhero stuff to go around now. I don't think everything needs to tie into everything. And, you know, saying that Shazam is friends with Superman that's fine. You know, they exist in the same universe doesn't mean all of the stories need to tie to it. So it'll be interesting to see what they do with a second movie, because I believe they're already working on one. And that doesn't surprise me, given that as of April 10th, the movie made over 193 million worldwide. So, you know, it's made back its budget very quickly. Yeah. And before it even came out, it had like the strongest positivity surrounding it than i think a lot of the the recent dc movies um you know even aquaman like when it was coming out people were like oh man this is great it's in a step in the new direction but it still got problems and then this one it i wasn't hearing a lot of that you know going into it it was i was hearing a lot of and it was from like real people seeing it because they did that showing like a week ahead of time um so it wasn't like you know the festival reviews that you hear and you kind of got to be wary of those it's like of course so for me i was very much a dc kid even though i when i was like much younger i didn't really think much about either one but a lot of my stuff just happened to be dc um or you know the old pulp things of like the shadow and the rocketeer and then i loved spider-man you know, so like when it came time for Iron Man, my buddy was like, want to go see the Iron Man movie? I was like, sure. I didn't know who the heck Iron Man was. But it's like growing up loving so many of these DC characters, of course, I would have been super excited for them to have like gotten the universe building thing right and, you know, done something similar to Marvel. But it didn't work. And I'm totally OK with that because I feel like we have that version of a superhero universe so to keep things from getting stale on the other side of the aisle let's get weird let's 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 do some some random stuff right i feel like it it works really well in its own way to just say to directors you know here play in the sandbox but you're doing your thing you know just like when you read comic books the um, and I'm sure I'm not the only person who's, you know, made this connection, but it's, uh, you know, everything, everything exists, you know, in that same continuity of DC, but at the same time, if you're reading detective comics or justice league or wonder woman or the flash, it's a different writer. It's a different artist. It has a different look. It has a different feel, but those characters can still pop in and pop out and it feels natural. Um, 
And so if DC can pull that off and, and, you know, not worry about, oh, we have to build towards something, but you just have this sandbox, do your own thing. And maybe a character pops in or pops out, but you don't have to worry about, oh, did you see, you know, 15 movies before this? You know, it's amazing what Marvel did, but it's kind of cool to see DC doing something a little different. And then like with the Joker movie, that's very much an Elseworlds thing. That movie looks bonkers. I can't wait to see it. I I still don't know how I feel about, you know, you know, Batman not being in it. It it feels kind of a bummer to have this amazing, you know, Joaquin Phoenix playing the Joker and him not go up against Batman, but I'm still going to see it. It looks super interesting. And if they just keep doing like crazy stuff, like it's going to keep me interested. And, you know, just as Marvel's going to keep building their stuff and who knows what's going to happen after Endgame. I'm sure they'll change things up and do something wild. Um, so, you know, I'm I'm in for it and I'm excited to see what DC has uh, coming forward, you know, especially Matt Reeves' Batman, because uh, I loved his uh, Planet of the Apes stuff and. I even really liked his Let the Right One In remake when he did Let Me In. I know not everybody feels that way, but I thought he did a nice job. <laughs> uh, even though Let the Right One In, one of my personal favorite horror movies of all time. So don't at me. But <laughs> Yeah, so why don't we go ahead and finish this off with our ratings for the movie. I gave sure. this a three out of five. I was torn between a two and a half and a three. So I was like, you know what, when it was fun, it was really fun. So I gave it the three out of five. Yeah. And, you know, I will be also writing a review of this, I think, today. So by the time everyone is listening to this, that newsletter will already be out. So I'll link to it in here just in case some people also want a written aspect of this because <laughs> I I might remember some things in like a few hours from now that I wish yeah. I had said on the podcast that usually happens to me. So I know I'll listen back to this when you post it and, and be like, oh man, dang it. Didn't mention that. <laughs> it's like when I listen to other people's podcasts and I'm yelling at them in my car for not mentioning something, I'll just be yelling at myself. So <laughs> be some weird inception. Yeah. So what did you end up rating this? I'm really bad with ratings, um, <laughs> but totally fine. I, I hate doing them, but I do them anyway. Same. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I, I'm on there uh, obsessing with Letterboxd now ever since you, you got me onto that. And, um, I actually didn't know un that we could do like the point fives until I saw one of your scores and I'm like, wait, you can do that. I had <laughs> yeah. to go back and I'm like changing some things. Cause I'm like, no, oh, this is a little bit better. Like it's, I just didn't know that I could do it. Yeah. That's how I feel about Goodreads right now. It's like, let me have my half stars. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so for me, it's like for, for whatever for whatever problems I have with the movie, it's still uh, one of the more fun times that I've had at the movies uh, recently. And I just kind of had like a big smile on my face uh, a lot of the time. Um, so it's, you know, as a movie, I'd probably give it, um, you know, probably like a 3.5. But as just a fun superhero movie that I'm honestly probably going to end up rewatching a decent amount when it comes out. Uh, I'd give it a four. Nice. It's always fun seeing what kind of superhero movies resonate with people and which ones don't. You know, some people like the darker ones, like the Christopher Nolan Batman trilogy, and I love most of those. I love me some dark. <laughs> oh, yeah. Most of those. I, I, most love, of the time. I, I love me some dark stuff, you know. it's uh, But fun is also important. It is nice to get a little positivity. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's a balance. It's a balance. Yeah. Well, Tibbet, thank you so much for coming on to talk about this. It was definitely a fun one to discuss, and I... We'll possibly go see it again 
we'll see. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you very much. Yeah, this was this was a ton of fun uh, discussing this one, and it's it's nice to talk about uh, DC movies that you know people are happy about. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly, <laughs> and that are actual you know critical successes in yes, a sense too. Yeah. You know, I know there have been mixed reviews on Aquaman and this, but for the most part, I think. It's generally a more positive reaction to both of those. So they're going in the right direction here. Oh, yeah. Like even Aquaman, I feel like people are like, that was really weird. And I'm not totally sure how I felt about it. But at the same time, it was bonkers and awesome. Like, yeah. it, it, I feel like people just they have a real like struggle. They're like, I don't know if I want to say I like this, but I had such a good time. Like, I mean, how can you not when it, there's a big drumming octopus? So and then at the the. The post credits of this you had a, a, a freaking caterpillar that i had to look up and he's apparently named mr mind <laughs> go for it get weird i love it <laughs> yeah well if anyone wants to keep up with us on twitter you can do so at geekdom pod we're on instagram as well at welcome to geekdom facebook at welcome to geekdom too and as always thank you all for listening and we hope you enjoy the rest of your day <laughs>